You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And this week, we are bringing you our annual over under where we set lines on absolutely ludicrous statements about Wizards of the Coast and how things are going to be run for the next year. And we take the over or the under, the under from the set number. Now, before we get started with that, I do want to take a second to shout out someone who I've been struggling a lot lately, and they've actually been really good coming through at a key time. Uh, and that person is Drew Locke who just delivered the Philadelphia Eagles a stunning loss because fuck Philadelphia, fuck the Eagles. Sorry, right. Philadelphia's great. Forget the Eagles. I mean, anyways. They're, they're up when was... I look. So to kick yeah. it off, we're going to talk about Commander. <laughs> uh, yes. So we're going to look at the number of set releases in the uh, upcoming year. Yeah, calendar right. 2024. Um. And we are counting commander sets attached to yes. the main set as individual set releases for the purpose of this question. Um, for me, I'm going to take the... Uh, we set the over-under at 14.5, and I'm actually going to take the the under on this. Really? Yes. So there are uh, nine okay. sets, for those that don't know, that are uh, announced this coming year. And... Um, if we take a look at them, we see that one of them is an arena set, which is just kind of like a whatever thing. So we're not going to get a commander product for that. So that drops it down from nine to eight. One of them is uh, already announced to have a commander set. So that brings us back up to nine. <clears throat> then from there, it's Ravnica Remastered that will not have a commander set. So we're still at nine. And that leaves us seven other sets to have a commander set with them. Uh, Fallout we know we'll have a commander set, but none of the other universes beyond. So I don't think we're going to get that many more commander sets with the with the rest of this. And I wouldn't, like... Assassin's Creed might have commander sets. I might have a commander set. Uh, that I, could, I could see that happening, but I'm willing to yeah. bet the under on that it might not. Um, similarly, there is the... Ravnica Clue Edition, which is called an Annex set, which is a really weird and interesting thing when you try and read up on it. And basically, they just threw the word Annex around to a lot of different things. But it sounds like it might have a commander set, but not guaranteed, so I'm going to take the under on that one. It feels like a bad Explorers of Ixalan. That's one of the things they put under the Annex sets, for sure. And then one of the big question marks for me is modern horizons three. And I don't think that set is going to get a commander set because we do not have provenance for that, but that doesn't mean we wouldn't. And if I'm going to lose this uh, over under, I will be fine losing it to modern horizons three, having commander, <laughs> commander <sets>. boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just commanders that are elementals. You exile a card to cast it. Yeah. They actually flash. turned all the, the nifflims or whatever they are from. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> from dissension into legend so you can yeah. play him yeah uh so i i am taking the over okay um i think it i makes understand sense. i understand where the math is i also know that they said final fantasy universes beyond was going to be a commander product 
which is interesting. More on that in the next question. But I have full confidence that there are probably also going to be, you know, even if we get half of them as commander sets, we're at 11 or 12. Yeah. I fully expect to see some number of unannounced surprise sets come out. I would expect that number to be two or three. At that point, we're sitting close enough to 14 that, you know what, fine, let's do it. I'm okay with it. Because they've only been doing this annual, like, look ahead for the release for two or three years now. And they've had some surprise releases in there, some product delays, whatever. Um, but I fully expect that they're going to full choo-choo ahead into the money grab. So there are going to be some products we don't know about that they're still designing yeah. that they're going to come out with in some way that aren't necessi- that aren't going to be arena products. I yeah, guess sure. we probably should have said paper products. but uh, So I'm taking the over on this one for sure. And like I said, I, I think it's a perfectly fine place to, to look at it. Um, what really kind of – it was the annex set that really t- brought me from the over to the under was trying to figure out what the hell that means. And when I found it, it was like yeah. whatever he wanted to mean. I was like, all right, I'll take the under on this one and, and – and lose in fantastic fashion. Yeah. Uh, I'll just oh, keep, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'll just keep rallying them down. Yep. Uh, number of announced, unannounced universes beyond. We set the over under at two and a half. What do you got for this one? So I conservatively am going to take the under. And mm-hmm. the reason being, we do have three universes beyond announced. And the only unannounced, quote, universes beyond we had here was the Jurassic Park tie-in, really. Yeah. That wasn't like... I guess was universes within. Um, I don't expect them to have too many of these un like unannounced or any really. No. Uh, and even if they continue the trend of the universes within, and we want to count that there, it's still only one in the first year. So I don't know how big of an impact that's going to have. I don't think they're going to jump the shark that badly. Okay. I think under. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to take the under, but I think it's going to be. It's for me. It's another close one. I think there's the opportunity for two this year because it seems like uh, for 2024 we have Fallout and we have Assassin's Creed. 2025 is Final Fantasy. Yeah. So it seems like we're basically queuing up for what I'm terming the year of the video game. And for universes <laughs> yeah. beyond and where we're going, I think uh, Bioshock and Red Dead Red Dead Redemption yeah. makes sense. As yeah, they do. Something like that. So I could imagine those two kind of coming in for Outlaws of Thunder Junction and then yeah. either Duskmore and House of Horror or maybe something weird for Murders where like there's some awkward Bioshock tie-in that yeah. we wouldn't expect. They're just kind of kind of kind of shoehorn it in. So I think two is I don't want to say acceptable, but that <laughs> that's where I'm drawing my line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think that's probably about where it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so number of times Watsy products will be delayed. We set uh, the limit here at 3.5, and for me, uh, I'm going to take the under, but it's because I, we might define products differently. That's fair. So uh, I think of all products associated with a set release as an individual product. Yeah. So if CBs and Commander decks for Murders of Carla Manor are delayed, that's one product, not two. So yep. and in, so the entirety of Karlov, everything that comes with it. So uh, we have, what are they called now? They're not draft boxes. They're not set uh, boxes. Play boosters. Play boosters. We were going to have play boosters, commander decks, collector boosters, whatever. That's all one product. I know they have individual yeah. SKUs, but for the purpose of this conversation, I look at them as one. So I, I'm going to take the under. That doesn't mean I don't think that sets won't be delayed for various reasons but i do believe that based on the number of external factors that we've seen all the way down to like 
Uh, we messed this one up and we have to reprint everything because we we did a dumb. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine on the under. So I am taking the over for this, uh, counting one set, all of its products as one skew. Okay. But also if any one of those is delayed, that counts for all. Uh, and I took the over because I think every single product is going to be delayed at this point because the last four have had some sort of delay. Okay. So yeah. I just think there's logistically something up there. Uh, and I don't know if it's the fault of the distros, the fault of the shipping companies, the fault of wizards, the fault of a, who knows where it is. It yeah. doesn't matter at this point. I I'm surprised when a set release comes and goes without getting a delay notification. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And the thing is, is uh, what is for Lost Caverns of Ixalan? It seemed like not all we got the delay announcement for collector boosters and commander decks, but some places still got an amount of those products. Not the entire shipment was delayed, which is even yeah. more weird. Like we were able to walk into our LGS and they had a number of commander decks and CBs, but not yeah. the full allotment. So their entire order wasn't delayed or maybe it was one distro and not another kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, next up, number of times employees will be laid off. So this was written shortly after the announcement, obviously, and we've set the over under here at 1.5. So that means we will get at least one and a half announcements in 2024 about employee reduction about headcount reduction. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the under. Uh, okay. It, I think the pushback from the community, rightfully so, has been enough of a negative impact that it won't happen. A lot of very good people got let go. Yes. Uh, people that have been the lifeblood of magic, and I, I hope and pray, and I understand things have to change, but Hasbro becoming so much more beholden to shareholder logic uh, you know, my thing is, you know, we went over the earnings call and we saw what their bonuses were. Just cut your bonuses and keep the good people because you guys are running it into the ground. Yeah. And I would like to think at the end of the day, some of them will have some sort of soul and recognize, hey, these people put their lifeblood into this product so we can make an exorbitant amount of money to run this company into the ground. Maybe we should keep them around and we can run it into the ground for a little bit longer. Uh, so Beyond that, it's, it's coming to light now. It seems that the entire Baldur's Gate 3 team was yeah. dispatched so how are you going to bring in anybody else to make the next like it wasn't even a triple a game but your next like yeah like your next cash cow how's anybody going to want to do that when you just keep yeah. letting people go um i'm taking the over on this one i think we're going to see two announcements one in q1 and one in q4 and that's going to tie into into the next question but i don't think we're we are we're technically done with the first round of layoffs or the last round of layoffs for this year, however you want to look at it. But I think there's going to be another yep. one in Q1. They think they'll have stabilized. They'll ride out the year, and then there will be another one at the end of the year when they realize that they did not weather the storm the way they wanted to, which is exactly what happened. They yep. announced up top that, hey, we beat forecasts, but everything is still negative, so we're going to do everything we can. And then at the end of the year, they just shed headcount. Yeah. Right. So uh, will... Hasbro meet profit forecasts when we're looking at two and a half quarters of beating forecasts. And now when we look at this last year, they beat forecasts, but all the forecasting was negative. So if they, if they said they were going to make negative a hundred and mil, a hundred, negative a hundred million, then they beat it out and made like negative 60 million. Yeah. I think, 
For me, I think they will meet or exceed profit forecasts, but it's just going to be the exact same as 2023. I think it's going to be overwhelmingly negative like it was. They're going to cite the same losses and issues in 2023 as well. They're going to look at Entertainment One. And More on that the, in the next question. <laughs> yeah, the, the continued issue with Entertainment One and trying to sell that while paying off its debts. They'll cite again loss of licenses like Disney, like the Disney Princess line and not being able to gap fill that. And they'll discuss how they had released movies in previous years that had made profit, but they didn't this year, etc. Yeah. But again, they will outperform predicted loss, so they will just be losing less on their balance sheets. Uh, I, I'm taking the under on this. Okay. Um, I think overall economic factors are a huge part of that. Uh, I think that the industry itself has kind of shifted. Um, I think that while they have made certain strides to right the ship, uh, I think they have way too much work ahead of them, especially considering they still haven't. I, they're again they're still paying for licenses and studios that they don't they're paying for assets they don't own yep i i just you know it, it's like the raiders are paying three coaches to not coach for them i it, it's just eventually you've got to get out from under it and i just don't think they get out from under it this quick yeah um i think it is very close i think it is exactly two quarters that they beat profit forecasts and i think that's q3 and four I think the Q1, they're probably lagging a little because I'm guessing there's not going to be as much disposable income come tax time working its way around to where Hasbro has a market share. So yeah. I'm I'm on the under here. Okay. And again, I, I think that's fair. Like we have to keep looking at economic forecasts inside North America and see what's going on, where people are putting their money in and it makes sense that they just don't have the excess that they used to spend on items and elements like this. Yeah. You mentioned licensing fees. And so the last question we have here is uh, the number of times licensing fees will be used as an excuse for not meeting profit forecasts. And we've set the over under here at 1.5 times. So in four quarterly announcements, we can expect, you know, one and a half of them, i.e. two, to reference reference licensing fees. What are you taking? Over. I think every single call has that. I, I think the amount of money that they are going to spend to license Fallout and Final Fantasy, uh, particularly Final Fantasy, which I have to assume they're going to start paying for this year, yeah. uh, is going to be monumental. I I think that those are going to cost them a little bit more. Obviously, they've already paid the cost and negotiated for it, but I'm expecting, based on what we've seen with some of the other licenses that have been used, you know, if there's not a lot of fan overlap between that base, I'm looking at you, Doctor Who, and Magic players, it hurts. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is some amount of crossover in Fallout. I think there is obviously a lot of crossover in Final Fantasy. I think Assassin's Creed is a dud, yeah. but it's it doesn't cost as much as the other two. But I, I, I am taking the over here because I just think they're so bad at licensing that it's going to cost them. Yep, I'm taking the over as well. Uh, I think this is going to be referenced in both rounds of 2024 layoffs, especially le after letting, uh, I think their name is Megan Galbraith go. Yeah. They were the director of Universes Beyond Creative and Production. They were let go in this round, and they're either going to effectively attempt to scapegoat this person mm -hmm. in their role for licensing fees, yep. 
or without somebody in this role or without somebody with experience in this role, these fees are just going to become exorbitant and then exactly just, they're just gonna pay out the nose for licenses to attempt to tie in franchises that may or may not actually matter to the game overall. Yeah. So that is the sad over under for this year. Uh, everything got a little muddy when we were talking about this because of the layoffs and it kind of turns everything sour when you have to think about that. Yeah. Um, but it does kind of impact the next couple episodes. We have our standard, like look ahead or if we ran Hasbro episodes because yeah. while it does shorten this and give us this kind of like gonzo outlook on Hasbro, that seems really doom and gloom there's opportunity to still look ahead to see what they're doing look back at uh the shareholder reports and make decisions and have conversations that are at least a little more positive than yeah. what we're seeing now um and then before we we go into into the picks i have to know did you pay attention to anything that was going on at the rc this past weekend uh so i spent most of the weekend actually checking out what was going on with Lorcana, having the choice to choose between the RC and upcoming Lorcana set release and release cadence for reprints of sets like that. So I did not. Okay. Uh, that's pa- this past weekend at the RC, if I can summarize, uh, vendors either didn't have commons or uncommons needed for a brand new version of the Rakdos deck in Pioneer because, hey, you ban a card like a week or two out, you unban another. Yeah. The format shifts. Vendors don't aren't pro players. They can't bring tech with them when they have to travel days in advance. So either yeah. it's not there or they're, they're there and they're charging instead of like quarters, which is are miserable, miserable pieces of currency when you're on the floor of an event, yep. to dollars. And this was a kerfuffle all weekend long that effectively was uh, culminated in Aaron Forsyth speaking out about this and said, what happens? What happened to players being prepared for an event? Please. And the collective player base just turned and fired their lasers at Aaron Forsyth and said, who the fuck do you think anybody is out here opening this goddamn product anymore, Aaron? Yeah. Your company has run us into the ground. Thanks, guys. Like, legitimately, that was one of, like, okay. That's amazing. I am so glad that someone is being held accountable for it. I'm sorry, Aaron Forsythe, that it's you because realistically, he's not making the decision on how much of this product to print. No. But still, man, that's awesome. Yeah, you had a bunch of vendors speaking out and be like, okay, we can either bring these cards and charge what we need to to make booths profitable and we get called... uh, Greedy or scalpers or whatever. And then people will go to, to Reddit and drag us. Or... We don't have them, and then people drag us because we don't have what you need. Yeah, and can't it just, win. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes this weird ethos of just like, well, we can't bring everything all the time, especially when it's just random commons and uncommons that just didn't appear in formats prior. Yeah. And there's this weird gray area for players to, that don't understand how vending works and like vendors that are so out of touch with players that it's like the 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 skinner meme from the simpsons like am i out of touch or no no it must be the kids like yes (laughs) or it's like we yeah for a a thursday setup we got to be there for wednesday we have no opportunities to comb the format on monday or tuesday so you got to put your orders in and hope we could fly it in like i don't it's not great no, not at all. I just wanted to see if you, you caught that because I just got to sit back and watch this happen and just be like, God damn, I'm glad. I'm so happy that I don't have to do that this anymore. That does make me very happy. 
No, it doesn't. The situation is kind of shit, and it started yeah. a little bit in um, with EW as well because it was the same thing. It's like it was, um, it was like I like I said, the most asked about card was Fragmentize. Yeah, you had what, that. I, I paid five bucks to get a buddy of Flash. Yep. Um, and then uh, not Spirit Rend. Rend Spirit. Let's see if I can bring this. I mentioned it. It's the the Mirage yeah. Common or whatever. Yeah. It is. Soul Rend. Soul Rend. Yeah, where you exile yeah. a white creature, and it's just like if you know you're gonna, you need to exile Atroxes. You need to order yeah. that card ahead of time. Nobody's going to have it on prem. Yeah. And like, you just got to take care of your business. That speaks into what Fourth Light's saying, which is like, what happened to players being prepared? But yeah. these aren't standard cards, like the what we're what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it started at EW. We're like, nobody have a shit on the floor, and people are like, well, there are stores all around, and like, we're not driving to a goddamn store. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Yeah, exactly. I I will say. Uh... I definitely spent many a night staying up until 3 a.m. finalizing my sideboard between before a PTQ. But you know what? I had all the cards on me. Yeah. So at least there's I, I wasn't prepared, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. OK. That, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and like this, this is just one of those things. It was just like vendor discourse that we just got to yeah. kind of sit back and enjoy because it's like we're not at the RCs. Thank God. <laughs> it seemed like an absolute shit show. Yeah. All right. Now that we've tangented picks. Yes, let's right. do it. All right, I'm going to go first so you can talk about a market call-out in, in depth yeah. later on. Yep. Uh, for me, this week, I'm going back to Big Dumb Dinosaurs, and we are looking at... Uh, I know. We're looking at Curious Altasaur, and this is a dinosaur from the Lost Caverns of Ixalan commander deck. It is three into green for a 2-5 with Vigilance and Reach, and the ability on it says whenever a dinosaur you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Again, this is another one of... A long line of cards, and it's just, you read it, you get it. Yep. Oh, when I added this to my list about a month ago in November, CK was buying $194.75. They had eight copies for sale at $1.50, and there were 39 listings on TCG Player LP or better for $2.70. As of this morning, when I finished my notes, CK was buying 34 at $3.00. Sorry, uh, they were buying 71 at $2, and there were 34 listings on TCG Player for $3.79. So we've seen an increase in market price with a drop in about listings by about 18-ish mm, percent. And CK has more than half their buy quantity, but more than quadrupled or about tripled their buy price. So we're seeing basically movement on this card like we would want. And at the end of the day, when it comes to Commander, this does exactly what it says. If you're playing Dinosaurs, you jam this. If you're not, you don't. That's it, because this only triggers off Dinosaurs. So Dinosaur-based Commander decks, like some might think if you've never played against one, can be really slow in plotting. They take time to get to the mid and to the late game, yet once they're there, they're very explosive in terms of power. But along the way, if the board stalls out or their board gets cleaned up, it's very hard to push through or recover from this because yeah. you're basically in a, a gruel-based deck. There's not a lot you can really do here. So Curious Althusser offers those players a way to stay flush with cards for minimal cost. A two-power, five-toughness, five Vigilance, Reach, Dinosaur, for three and a green that draws you a card for each dinosaur that deals combat damage to a player has very little downside overall. If you want to give this card negative marks, you can do so based on the low power it has compared to other mono green dinosaurs, but that's really about it. Not all dinosaurs have trample, so you have to put in work regardless of what you're doing to give the squad trample anyway. So if you're going to look at the keywords and try and neg it, not so much. Uh, 
If you do want to give it negative marks for a lack of power, that's a fine complaint to levy, but it's unnecessary as Altasaur doesn't have to actually engage in combat to get the job done. This is yet another dinosaur that does this. It can just chill on defense. Sorry, uh, it's like Facebreaker. Facebreaker doesn't have to enter combat. It can just chill on defense, yeah. and the stats sort of tells you that it should. It's a 2-5. This is just meant to hang back and play defense. At this point in time, I think we're starting to see a suite of dinosaurs that make up the core of a gruel-based deck, and Altasaur is part of that. And the overwhelming amount of utility and synergy seems to come from gruel from the gruel base, and once you have that, you can then flex into any of the possible off-colors and feel confident that you're set up for success. And for reference, some of the core that we're seeing kind of coalesce here is Curious Altasaur, Regisaur Alpha, Apex Altasaur, Quartzwood Crasher, Marauding Raptor, and the list goes down a little further, all the way to Ranging Raptors, which is the uncommon dinosaur that we've talked about here and there that has Enrage rampant growth. Like, this is your core. Regisaur gives uh, haste. We talked about Apex Altasaur on the pod, where it just starts, it throws hands. Quartzwood it Crashers makes, to makes XX tokens for, uh, based on, like, the, the amount of power amount of damage that each dinosaur dealt or something like that so your dinosaurs just kind of grow exponentially marauding raptor makes your dinosaurs cheaper and then we covered ranging raptor so this is like the kind yeah. of suite that we're seeing here and from there you can go teamer you can go nea you can go gruel those are basically the way you build a dinosaur deck sorry not gruel um jund those yeah. are the ways you go with the deck and this is the core of the gruel package now we're buying into this card because we've kind of hit the dip and seen a little bit of recovery. The velocity in this card isn't amazing, and it moves about 10 copies a day, so it's kind of flying under the radar right now. And with a few vendors posting a decent amount of stock per listing, including Top Card Shop, they have 73 at $4.26. It'll be a few weeks before we really start to see the market value in this card pop. Uh, for reference, uh, top card shop is like midway down first page but their listing is about 50 cents more than current market price so it won't take long to get there at all we just got to chew up maybe like 50 copies before we get to a, a brick of 73 and then from there like it just takes off like a rocket uh, but even with these anchors if we buy in now we'll be able to flip a profit within a few weeks though it won't be a lot per copy if velocity does keep up, it should be between two and three months from now when we can make about 10% or so on this as opposed to like five to eight. And that's not a huge difference based on the amount of time. But in the interim, if things do pick up, if we do see more a larger run on this card as stock disappears, then again, the timeline shortens, profits go up. And so I think it's a fine place to be in that regard. I do think buy less is going to take much longer though and moving these for profit is probably going to take closer to six months in that regard. I think CKs kind of hit their ceiling now that their retail is flush and they haven't really moved a ton of copies overall. Seeing that drop from buying 194 down to 71 kind of tells you that they're, they've hit where they want, but they're still willing to pick up a couple more at a higher price point. But we know they stepped down their buy price as they hit certain thresholds. So they're buying 71 yeah. now, but if somebody sends in 20, sure, that number drops to 50, but the buy number might also drop down to somewhere into the into like a $1, $25.50 range. So I think that's going to take a lot longer to buy list than open market. 
Reprint equity-wise, um, this is a commander print card that only works with dinosaurs, so I think we're fairly insulated here. We should expect a reprint, though, when we're going back to a plane dominated by dinosaurs, so that's going to be very obvious to us, so we're going to be able to get out ahead of this if we want to sit on this for even longer. From a buy quantity standpoint, currently, I don't have any... Uh, that's a lie. I wrote I didn't have any of these, but I have one because I did buy the deck. It's just been sitting in, uh, in storage yet opened because we haven't just rebuilt it. Um, but I'd like to pick up about six of these when I have time, uh, two to play in other dinosaur decks, and then five to toss in, or sorry, one to play in one, the additional dinosaur deck, and then five to toss in my binders for locals, because I know I have at least one dinosaur player, and he's very proud and very vocal when he plays the deck on Monday nights. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Uh, for a reference, we have we bought the Polyramptor deck. We're, re we're going to be rebuilding that, but the dinosaur deck that I maintain is helmed by Grimlock. So, yeah. Roll out. Roll out. Uh, yeah, I think this card's great. And like you said, it's performing, it, or it's becoming a pillar of this gruel dinosaur deck. Yep. Uh, not only that, one of the really nice things I like about this card is that it does the like green is kind of blue thing. Uh, which means that if dinosaurs eventually expand into other colors, this will have a life in that deck because every color wants to draw cards. Yep. Um, you know, especially Naya doesn't have a whole lot of card draw. Unfortunately, green is basically the best of those three colors at it. So adding this gives you a bunch of extra curiosities and turning all of your dinosaurs into Edric creatures is pretty cool. Um, so I, I definitely, I like it a lot. I think the reprint equity is... Honestly, on most of the dinosaurs, I think the reprint equity is just like a moot point. Yeah. Because it's something that is so plain specific because it's not like, you know, a generic fantasy trope that fits in any setting. You have to specifically have a setting for it. You can have zombies and ghosts and vampires everywhere. You have to have a certain kind of place to have dinosaurs. Yeah. I want to, to lean into this and give a really good example of what you're talking about when it comes to plain specific dinosaurs and how it might be a moot point. Just give me one moment to bring this up. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, so I mentioned Regisaur Alpha as being part of the core. That was released yep. in the original Ixalan and it's back of the Commander decks. And if you don't know what it does, it's a 4-4 four, four for 3, a red and a green. And when it ETBs, Regisaur Alpha creates a 3-3 three, three green dinosaur creature token Very with Trample. Card. Okay, with trample. But the first line on the card says, other dinosaurs you control have haste. If this was meant to be an agnostic card that we would see on another plane, then other dinosaurs wouldn't have haste. The token would have haste. Yeah. It would create a 3-3 green dinosaur creature token with trample and haste. That's how you yep. make that card agnostic. When you want to tie it to a plane, when you want to tie it to an idea, a, uh, a type, like we're seeing with dinosaurs, like you're talking about, you get that first line. Other dinosaurs have yep. haste so that's that that leans into the moot point of reprinting that you're talking about yeah it, it just they don't have and especially you know they're not like slivers nope. you know they're not these things that were created for any plane so i i think reprint equity is a moot point and i think it's great because this is so far the closest thing we have to a blue dinosaur uh and you know the cost and body are pretty good on it too so yep. not the worst thing yeah uh I, on the other hand, yes. am going for, yet again, a market call-out. So this one is probably a long time coming, uh, and it is Mana Vault. So the interesting thing about Mana Vault, and I wanted to do this this episode because we were talking about unannounced set releases, what we were getting reprints of, etc. 
Um, we just went through a whole year with yet again no reprint of Mana Vault. We got Mana Crypt twice. Yes. In the meantime, um, I don't know if that's bad or good for Mana Vault. One thing I do know is it's currently below buy list on MKM compared to the retail price in the states. So to me, uh, that's a great opportunity to contact any friends you have overseas and be like, "Hey, man, ship them on over, please. We'll take them." Um, I think that looking at the set release, and you may think differently, I don't see where this gets reprinted. I certainly don't see it in Modern Horizons 3 because Tron does not need the help. Nope. Affinity might, but then just unban Mopal, and it's fine. Um, well, uh, Zerd is banned, right, in Modern? Yeah. Yeah, so you're fine. True. No, you still have training grounds and shit. You can go infinite with this. Yeah. Keenan Bonder Prodigy goes infinite there. You'll never get it. Yeah, true. So, yeah, you see, you, you just can't do it. Um so with no reprint on the horizon, unless it's getting into some kind of secret lair, this is a card that I expect before too long, probably within the next month or two when people kind of put it together uh, on the whole and it enters the echo chamber on MTG Finance. Uh, this card probably primed for a b bump in price. Yeah. Uh, this isn't something I would be looking to go out picking up aggressively right now because at any moment a secret lair could drop and all of a sudden, boom, here's infinite mana vaults. But... I don't think they're going to do that because this is a card that they put in Ultimate Masters and that they put in Double Masters 2 as a mythic to move the set. Yeah. This is your chase card out of your pack. This is what you're buying the set for. Uh, and I get it. Now we have serialized cards. We have neon image variants and whatever. So those can help move boxes. But at the end of the day, you still have to have a good card in the set. And this is a good card that goes in a set you want to make a lot of money on. So unless we hit a Commander product like Commander Legends that's unannounced for Q3 or Q4 to pump their holiday releases so they can meet the quarter profit forecast, I don't think we see this card reprinted next year. No, I think it's uh, pretty clear cut that we're not getting, as it, as it stands, unless there is uh, a hidden offering in here somewhere. We're not going to get, yeah, there, there's nowhere to, to place this because everything hits standard unless it is uh, an, the Assassin's Creed supplemental or yeah. Fallout supplemental. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, the universe is beyond in Modern Horizons, which, again, you're not getting Mana Vault in Modern Horizons. And I, don't think, I don't think we would get Mana Vault in a universe is beyond. They're going to try and create something that's a little more unique than yeah. a Mana Vault. Like the Fallout, what kind of makes sense because you've got to toggle the the vault otherwise it deals damage to you right basically it yeah. as an energy source it's a, it's a light switch and if the if the lights are on you take damage when the lights are yeah. off everything's fine which true like, i i think we're more likely to see treasure vault reprinted in that with a universes within type deal okay. just like vault vault 76 and it's treasure vault yeah. But who knows? No, no, like stuff like that makes sense. It's good to suss this stuff out because when you're looking at this, you're like, all right, how deep do I want to go if I want to spec on this or want to move, want to move yeah. this when people realize they're just not going to get another copy of this again? Like this is another year gone by without a copy of Vault. Then Yeah, which I think is still a top 10 most played card on EDH rec or something. I would, so, I would assume yeah. so, yeah. Like you just want as many like cheap to free rocks as possible. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is a good market call. This is another good example of, like, when you put in the time and the due diligence to, like, just stop looking at, like, past what's selling into what's not getting reprinted. 
and where could it possibly get reprinted when we have the lists in front of us, uh, it's a good lesson to either learn or be reminded of that this is also something you can and should be doing when it comes to MTG Finance. So uh, I'm glad you're bringing it up as a card to look at and a call up. Yeah, uh, so it is not a top 10, but it is in 7% of all decks. So a quarter million decks. Yeah, just casually. <laughs> casually. <Yeah. laughs> so, no, I, I think Vaults is a good look. And even if you don't own Vaults and you don't necessarily want to spec on them, but you think you might want to play a Vault, this is also Now's good. the time. Exactly. Get, yeah. this, is, this is very good for that as well. Like, this is a reminder that, like, hey, we didn't get one. There's not one coming up. It's only going to cost more in time. So yeah. move in now when you can. So. Yep. I like it overall. Uh, so next week, we will be doing our look ahead, which is basically going to be a, a more crotchety version of this episode, if you can imagine. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> but until until then, with an average amount of crank, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube. You are at Damon underscore Thurston. I am at Halt. I am Reptar, and we'll see you next week.